that later. But uh, take your Bibles and go to the book of Joshua, if you would please. Joshua chapter 9. We had a, had a good time this last, uh, this last week. Our son uh, drove down with his family. They were with us for a couple of nights. They went on down. They're on vacation there at Knott's Berry Farm. I, I can't remember the last time I was at Knott's Berry Farm. But uh, because of that, our daughters came by and all the grandkids are there. How many of you realize Kids need discernment. How many of you have ever acted like, a, acted like a kid when it comes to discernment? You know, this is going to be this is going to be the last message we look at when it comes to what I called in a series, "Give me that mountain." Again, I'm convinced that. The children of Israel stepping into the promised land is a great picture of the Christian, the the person becoming a Christian and then going on and growing in that walk. When a person gets saved, they have heaven, Amen? amen? They have Jesus, they've got salvation they also have an enemy. Now, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to turn to it, but you remember there in Genesis 3, you remember when Satan approached Eve and he asked that question, yea, hath God said? Now, I want you to stop and think about this. To put it short, here's Eve, here's Adam. They're in a perfect environment. Satan walks up, asks one question, reflects in a statement on the purpose of that question, and two people who were in a perfect place literally walking with God, suddenly were dissatisfied. Now stop and think about that. There was no such thing of sin. There was every need met. But here came the wicked one. And like that, they're dissatisfied. And because of that dissatisfaction, suddenly they saw God's character, his goodness, and his provision in a different light. And all it took was a question. Now, there's a lot of questions going around right now, isn't there? There's a lot of statements there there's, there's a lot of disinformation out there. 
Now, I'm not talking about the mainstream media. I'm talking about any heart that is willing to listen to the wicked one and be used of him. And they can be our friends, our neighbors, our relatives. They can be a co-worker, whoever it might be. It might be somebody in a place of importance when it comes to a nation, whatever it might be. But we have got to understand sometimes in the best of situations, Satan, from his perspective, does his best work. Now, I want to ask you, you know, at the end of every message, uh, really, there are decisions to make. I've got a question I want to ask all of us, myself included, at the end of the message. But let's, let's listen to this. We're going to be back tonight. We're going to be back on reflecting about spiritual gifts. There, there's great need for discernment when it comes to that as well. There are people that have been taken away again by, by the occult, by false religion, and suddenly they're not practicing biblical Christianity. We'll see that tonight and next Sunday night and on. But for now, let's ask ourselves the basic questions this morning as we go through this chapter. You know, John 8, 44, remember what Christ said to the religious rulers? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. None. Satan is not going to stop and go, well, you know, really I was trying to lie to you on that. He's not going to do that. He's just like some people today. You can point out to them, to your blue in the face, where they are wrong. They won't stop. They just keep going after it. And if you've pointed out to them where they're wrong, they just start yelling it louder. We need discernment. We need discernment. Let's pray. Lord, we do. We, we need discernment now. I pray that you would give us your wisdom. Lord, as James told us, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally. Lord, we need that wisdom given liberally. I pray right now. In Christ's name, amen. Now let me tell you something. This, have you ever hit a nerve? You know, what, what is it the thing they call, you know, they call it the funny bone and it ain't funny. You know, you hit that, whoa, dude. Or, you know, there's something, 
that, you know, you, you hit a nerve someplace, and I mean it really works on you. This is a nerve for a pastor. Now look, I'm not perfect. I'm not near that. But God gave me a burden, and, and I can't stop it. I, I, I need to let God mature it, grow it. I need God to perfect it. But you listen to me. You come and you sit in this auditorium on a regular basis, and you are on my heart. As I'm looking at you right now, and we're getting ready to get into this message, I'm looking at places and I'm going, I wonder where those people are. I wonder how things are going. I'm thinking about the greens. I think uh, Jennifer Ruth is here, and uh, they're, they're gone right now. I, I wish they were here. JR needs to be here. She's getting ready to be sworn in as a colonel. She, better, she ought to be here. I don't care if she's going to be a colonel. I'm a pastor. I'm a, she grew up under me. She need not just, And if she's listening, you be here tonight, and I'll bring my coat. But this is important to me. I, I some, uh, listen, I'll go through the prayer list and I'll wonder, what are they doing? You know, I've got that thing on my phone where I can tell if they've got their phones, I can tell where my wife is or any of my kids. I can tell where they are. I'm not gonna ask you to, that I can do that with you too. See, I don't wanna know where you're at all the time. But don't you have a burden for people like that? Hello? Is there not someone in your life that you love dearly and it's like, I wonder how they're doing? It gets that way. Now in this series, Give Me This Mountain, we started out with Joshua. We actually started out in chapter 14. I preached on that when Caleb said, give me this mountain. And then we went to the time when Israel crossed the Jordan and they put up two piles of stones, two, two, two sets of 12 stones. One in Caleb, the other one either beside the river or in the river, Jordan. It was there to remind them and their offspring. And then came the battle of Jericho. And we read about that. Didn't get into all the detail. And then there was sin in the camp. Achan. And because of that, there was defeat at Ai. So we learned a lesson. Beware of letting sin in the camp. Now, at the very end of Joshua 8, they have had the victory over Ai. Look at verse 33. And all Israel, this is Joshua 8, and all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side, the ark, and on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well the stranger as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim and half of them over against Mount Ebal. 
as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. They have now had great victory. The sin has been done away with. They were able to overcome Ai. It has been good. God was merciful. And now Ai is done with. And they can continue. So in Joshua 9, look at verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof. Then they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. Now, you know, you, know you stop and consider this. Joshua knows that's what would happen. And because of the battles they have gone through and because of the blessings that God has given, Joshua understands how to come before the Lord, to bring Israel before the Lord, and to prepare to overcome these that are going to be awaiting them. I mean, they have just had revival. This is great. They got into the word that they had and praise God, God is good and you know something? We are going to be able to move on. Except there was something that they did not anticipate. And for that, they had to learn a lesson the hard way. We don't. Now, remember this. Peter told us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, two weeks from today, we're going to start having prayer for the two-minute warning. The worst thing this church could do is to go, you know what? We got this down. We don't have to worry about it. You know, we remember the routine. We know how to feed them. We know how to pat them on the back. We, we know how to tell them they're, we're glad they're here. We don't have to worry about that. We've got it. And you know we would crash and burn. You know, there are people today that are wondering why there is very little revival. And there are some people that are looking at certain scripture passages and they're saying, you know what? Really, I mean, this says that in the last days perilous times shall come 
So there cannot be revival in perilous times. My question is, why not? Listen, we look and we wind up misreading something and we wind up self-defeated and next thing you know, we have come up short on God's blessings because again, Satan worked subtly and got us to believe something about God's word that God never really said. And he has done that before in your life and mine. I know he's done it in your life because he's done it in mine and you're made out of the same thing I am. We need to recognize this. Folks, let me ask you something right now. I know the face has aged. It's a little tough, but I want you to look at me and I want to ask you a question and I want you to stop and think for a couple of moments. At this moment, who is telling you how to think? Well, God is. Book, chapter, and verse. If you ever so subtly have been excusing an attitude, an action, uh, a, uh, a, a, an attitude of discouragement, of bitterness, of unforgiveness, whatever it might be, who is telling you how to think? And how much have they, been, have they been telling you that? Now, Israel has just had great victory. So they got together and they said, you know what, let's have a revival. And they did. And they're looking at the armies of the Canaanites. And, you know, it's kind of a thing of bring it on. And the victory is there. God was there. But now again, listen to what the scripture, and remember, the Bible interprets itself. We are warned how to think because of what has taken place in the past. Listen, Satan sometimes comes as that devouring serpent excuse me, as that devouring lion that I just read about. But sometimes he comes differently. 2 Corinthians 11. But I fear, this is Paul talking, but I fear, verse 3, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted for this, from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. In Christ, actually. I want to show you something. Look at verse 3, Joshua 9. Very simply, what the enemy did. Look at verse 3. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wilily, literally, subtly, or with guile and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up. 
old shoes and clotted upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. Now, here's the point. Gibeon was only 25 miles away from them. That's all, just 25 miles away. Now, keep your finger in Joshua 9. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Keep your finger there. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 10. Now, Moses is speaking. Moses is speaking to Israel about when they would come in. Look at verse 10. When thou comest nigh unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace unto it. And it shall be, if it make thee answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. And if it will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. And when the Lord thy God hath delivered it into thine hands, thou shalt smite every male thereof with the edge of the sword. But the women and the little ones and the cattle and all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, shalt thou take unto thyself, and thou shalt eat the spoil of thine enemies, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which are very far off from thee, which are not of the cities of these nations, but of the cities of the people which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save nothing alive, nothing that breatheth. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that they teach you not to do after their abominations, which they have done unto their gods, so should ye sin against the Lord your God. Now go back to Joshua 9. The Lord says, listen, here's the land that I gave you. I've already instructed, by the way, through, uh, through Moses, the cities there. You go in, you wipe everything out. Because if you don't, you're going to wind up going after other gods, which, by the way, they did. But when it comes to the far-off lands, they come in, they make peace, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then they become your tributaries. Somehow, the Gibeonites found out about this. Don't know how, but they did. So they're going to act like they're coming from a far land. And hey, we, you know, we want to be your servants. We'll go into that a little bit in just a bit. But watch this. There's something going on here that even though there was revival, there's not a discernment. The enemy... Listen, the enemy knows how to use the word of God for their own purposes. You can find that out. You talk to a Jehovah's Witness. You talk to a Mormon. You talk to, a, uh, you talk to somebody in, in the Catholic religion, whatever. There are people out there, they've learned how to twist and distort. Many of us have already talked to some of them before. They know how 
to do this. Remember what Satan said to Christ. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, Hey, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. What was Christ's response? Hey, it is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So this is how you, rem- this is how you answer. We need to remember, the, again, the Bible interprets itself. Satan is a counterfeiter. First, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 11. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed, again, into an angel of light. He has false prophets. He has false apostles. He's got deceivers. So that's what the enemy did. Listen to what the enemy said. Joshua 9, go back to verse 6. And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore, make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure, ye dwell among us. How shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? From whence are ye come? They said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come. Because of the name of the... Now pay attention to what they say here. Because the name of the Lord thy God, for we have heard the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and the inhabitants of our country speak to us, saying, take victuals with you for the journey and go to meet them and say unto them, we are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This is our bread. This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. It was just baked that day, they're saying. But now behold, it is dry and moldy. These bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent, and these are garments, and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. Can I give you a hint? Satan's a liar. Satan is a liar. There was a, uh, a political leader many, many years ago in America, and he shouldn't have been a political leader by the name of Adlai Stevenson. He made this statement. A lie is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help in trouble. He quoted scripture wrongfully. They lied about their clothing and about their food. They lied about themselves and gave the impression that they were important envoys on an official peace mission. They called themselves your servants. In reality, they were the enemies of God. 
Now stop and consider that. There are people that will approach you. They're your friend. They're here to help. They're the enemies of your God, period. Just think, the lies were bad enough, but when they said they had come because of the name of your God, because of the name of the Lord, that was blasphemy. They had their own gods. They had no desire for the God of heaven. They just wanted to live. These men were wise enough, not to mention Jericho, not to mention Ai. That had just happened. Listen, Satan knows how to use religious lies. Are you listening? He knows how to use religious lies. Keep your finger. Again, Joshua 9, turn to the New Testament. Go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. This is is important, folks. This, this, This is so very important. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Looking back, he says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. And they'll be on television. They'll promise you health, wealth, and prosperity. They'll have podcasts. They'll look at you and they will tell you that they are true, especially when they look into the camera lens and they say, Jesus is Lord. How many of you believe that somebody can lie using the name of Jesus? They'll do just that, folks. Look again. who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Verse two, and many, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. The... uh, the church that our daughter goes to down in Manteca, uh, they just bought property from somebody who could, they, 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 would, they, they would fall in the area, the category of some of this that is going on. And their church is finding out that they were lied to when it comes to the buildings and you know, how, how things are operating and such. Somebody, somebody from the church watched a video from the church that they, whose property they just bought and now those people are using their property and getting ready to, to move on. 
And the pastor got up and said, hey folks, isn't it great? We've got air conditioning that works. That's funny, they were told their air conditioning worked too. Interesting. Look at verse three. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words whose judgment shall make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Folks, we've got to be careful who we listen to. Go back to Joshua 9. Satan begins working the very moment someone is telling somebody else how to be saved because Satan doesn't want people to be saved. You can't lighten up the gospel. You can't make light of sin and of judgment. You can't do it. You just can't do it. You can't make light of hell. I don't like the topic of hell. But my Bible says there was a rich man who died and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. My Jesus is not a liar. Revelation 20:15 and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I think of that Bob, when I think of that picture that you gave me. Why the enemy succeeded. Look at verse 14, Joshua 9. We're getting close to being done. And the men took of their victuals and asked, listen to this, and asked not counsel at the mouth of of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live and the princes of the congregation swear to it. For some reason, they did not take the time to pray. They did not have the time to search this out. In a time of great joy for what God has done, here came people that are dressed a certain way, looking at them and with the most sincere attitude are lying their heads off. And Satan got in. Listen, we need to be careful. If any man will do his will, the Lord said in the book of John, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In other words, God will tell you. God will tell you. Based on his word, you can know what is true. Now stop and think about this. Think about those that came and met with Joshua and the elders. Number one, real ambassadors would not have come in looking like the Beverly Hillbillies to the leaders of Israel. 
Real ambassadors would have thrown away their dry and moldy bread because they would have had bakers with them continually making fresh bread for them. They wouldn't have been eating dry and moldy bread just before they reached these people. As officials, they would have had proper attire. They're not going to come in looking so ragged saying, oh boy, you wouldn't believe it. This is the, these are the only, only clothes that I had when we left. And so I've just had to keep wearing them. No, real ambassadors didn't do that. Thirdly, had Joshua and his leadership paused to pray again, the Lord would have told them. Like we said, James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. But they were hasty. And because of that, something happened. So, let me ask you this. Here's the question. What is the danger here? Well, you can go on and you can read that these people wound up being, you know, a, a, a thorn in the flesh, as it were. Uh, all of a sudden, Israel's got people in their midst they're now stuck with. They made a pledge that they would make keep them alive, and so they did. And then the kings of Canaan turned on them, and they shot a message to Joshua and said, hey, we're under attack. And so they had to go and defeat an enemy to help keep alive their enemy. They wound up having people in their midst that worshiped other gods. So the question is, where's the danger? You read it, you'll see it. Let me ask you this. When it comes to discernment, when it comes to seeking God's will, if we think little about it, where is the danger? Question. Have you ever made a foolish decision because you didn't seek out God's will? I mean, I'm, I'm amazed, again, looking tonight and next Sunday night when it comes to this in the most important area. But do we realize what has happened to the church at large because of COVID? There are people that still sit at home now because all of a sudden, you know, worshiping from home got to be so convenient, except that's not true worship. We, we don't, you know, you, you can't worship through a screen. We, we engage with each other. This is, this is family. This is time of encouraging. This is time of learning of discernment. So folks, Listen, 
I don't know how long it is before we stand before the Lord. I don't know. But I do know this. Every person in this room, every person, there is not a person that will not, every person in this room will stand before God. Does that strike fear in our hearts? And by that, I mean reverential fear. It's like we will all give account of ourselves. I'm going to give account for this message. You're going to give account for how you received it. Do you know anybody right now? Do you know anybody right now that you would like to just take them and shake them? Don't you realize what is coming down the road? Gave a gospel track to a guy yesterday. Said, listen, would you, would you please read this? There are things that are happening. You need to understand. You need this message. We need to share that message of hope. We need the discernment enough that if God has called us into the year 2023 and we're still celebrating birthdays, we need to have the discernment to understand that God is still walking with us. Amen? Amen. Now, you, you know, listen to it from anybody if they'll tell you the truth from here. Satan is a liar, period. He makes no excuses. He's unashamed of his sin. Satan desires to destroy God's people. That's you, period. He's out to destroy you. He's not interested in any kind of back and forth, any, any kind of give and take, he wants your death. When Satan's lies are believed, listen to me. When Satan's lies are believed, they put him in command of that area in your life. If you have decided that you know better than God, when it comes to his will for your life, you're not in charge, the wicked one is. When Satan's lies are believed, God is not glorified, and we are here for God's glory. When Satan's lies are believed, lives are lost. For, for eternity, for even here. When Satan's lies are believed, you can bank on it. He wants more. He wants more. 2 Corinthians 10. Listen to this, please. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then Paul goes on to say this, casting down imaginations, and we're going to have more to say about that in a couple of three weeks. Casting down imaginations, but here is a key phrase, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, there are thoughts, there are imaginations, there are discernments that you and I can decide on. And that thought, that imagination has now made its way. It's not sitting there dormant in your heart and mine. It's not sitting there dormant. It's looking for more territory. It's looking for more. Satan doesn't make peace. He makes war. Here was Israel, fresh off great stuff. And now, they've blown it. You know, we could come out of here, praise God, man, that's a good passage. Boy, but there's great lesson there. And Satan's waiting and he's got a smile on his face because he knows exactly how to work with us. How do we know that? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Your lust might be, or, 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 or your personal situation might be immorality. It might be anger. It might be bitterness. But Satan knows your triggers. He knows mine. Folks, we come to this passage because we don't want to see people making decisions that are going to cost them the rest of their lives. And all God's people said, now again, we all make decisions. Folks, this is a place where we love one another. Amen. Amen. This is not, I'm I'm not trying to beat on people. I'm just, what I'm saying is this, look, let's watch out for each other. This is why we pray for each other. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Or he's come like a snake, subtly. Just like he did through these. They came, oh, so good. We love hearing about your God. Stinking liars. By the way, we've, again, we've got those people today. They'll smile. You know, I, when I think of people that have come to this church before, boy, they had all kinds of good things to say about us. Hey, I'm going to come to your church. Can you pay for a motel room? They're not interested in my God. They're interested in the church's pocketbook. 
I know people need help. But I'm just saying, sometimes we wind up taking the words of the wicked one. So, I had to do this for one reason. I wanted to see how fast Wayne would jump up and adjust the camera. (laughs) So listen, today is a day of meditating on discernment. Ask yourself, we're getting ready to leave, ask yourself, okay, who's telling me how to think? Who's telling me what to think? Where is my direction coming from when it comes to how I establish my thought pattern? Amen? Amen. Let's continue this tonight. Let's stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be discerning of what is going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would encourage each other, love one another, as the scripture says, with a pure heart fervently. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that is struggling in this area, that you would help them, that we would be a help to them. And Lord, as we look at the discerning that we need to have about the gifts of the Spirit tonight, Lord, make us wise. There's much need. We, we, can, we won't impact every area, but Lord, we desire to see our life in line with how you desire us to think, to choose, to live. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the book that we have, that we're able to bear here in this nation freely. We pray this in Christ's name.